0: This is Alan Knapp, and I'm a senior editor for Functional Ecology, and today I'm visiting with Dylan Fisher from the Evergreen State College in Washington. Dylan's the lead author on a paper soon to be published in Functional Ecology, and the title of that paper is, Pre-Genetics Strongly Affect Forest Productivity, But Intraspecific specific Diversity-Productivity Relationships Do Not. Dylan, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on the really interesting research.
1: Okay, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: All right, so I have just a couple of questions for you with regard to the paper. Um, Let's begin with uh, you providing us with some general background on this biodiversity ecosystem function issue um, and how your study really fits into that field and how it might extend that field. Sure.
1: Well, biodiversity ecosystem function research has a really rich recent history, especially at the species level. Um, You know, the first questions like are uh, more diverse mixtures of species more productive or more effective at taking up carbon have been addressed in a lot of different systems now, and studies like this in grassland and experimental herbaceous systems have worked out a variety of sticky and experimental design problems um, that allowed researchers to untangle complementarity of species uh, from kind of sampling uh, effects. Um, And more recently, these studies have been conducted with uh, plants at the interspecific or genetic level and that's where we come in so in genes to ecosystems research many studies in the past decade have found that interspecific variation can have strong and predictable effects on communities and ecosystems genetics really matter for communities and ecosystems that allowed researchers to start thinking well what if we replace uh, the species in our biodiversity ecosystem function designs with different genotypes within the same species will the same results uh, come up so about 12 years ago our research the Cottonwood Ecology Group started thinking this way. We designed a large-scale experiment on the Lower Colorado River to see if patterns in diversity and carbon uptake um, could—that uh, these patterns that are present at the species level—if we find them uh, at the genetic level or within a species and in forests.
0: Great. So, as you indicate in your paper, you, you, your your goal was to conduct the first forest ecosystem-scale experiment. Uh, designed to test about if these diverse mixtures of genetic stock resulted in more productive forests. Um, Maybe you could give me some uh, insight on why you focused on forests versus others. just mentioned grasslands. I work in grasslands. I just can't imagine the the, the difficulties in dealing with forest-scale experiments like this. So uh, tell us a bit about why you focused on forests and describe your experimental design a bit more.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the previous work um, I mentioned in biodiversity ecosystem function research and even in intraspecific diversity uh, research had taken place with, um, you know, using grassland species or smaller taxa that were a little easier to manipulate. But forest trees, and especially cottonwood trees in the western U.S. Are, can represent really important foundation species that have strong effects on uh, entire ecosystems, on arthropod communities, migrating birds, and ecosystem processes like you know, carbon uptake. Um, but they can do this while having one species that really dominates a landscape. Um, so part of what we were trying to do was see what happens when we scale a good idea like productivity-diversity relationships to a much larger ecosystem type and at the same time do it at the genetic uh, level. And previous diversity studies with forest trees have been conducted using two to three species mixtures, and there are some good studies out there But none had worked with mixtures like the 16 species mixtures that are common uh, in grassland studies, and none had done this at the intraspecific level. So we're kind of, you know, upping the ante in those two directions. And we got to put in a design with trees that uh, mimicked the successful grassland uh, experiments um, that have taken place in the Midwestern U.S. and Europe. And so briefly, we created monoculture and genotype mixture stands, forest stands, with two, four, eight, and 16 genotype mixtures. And we were able to put them in a block design and replicate it 20 times across the landscape. And we were able to do this because we got to partner with some really large ecosystem restoration activities on the lower Colorado River, where right now there's a lot of activity restoring a lot of habitat. So we got to put in an experiment that answer, answered some interesting questions while at the same time uh, restoring an, an important ecosystem type, Cottonwood Gallery, for us. Um, so without partnering with these restoration groups and agencies, this couldn't have been done. Um, but because we were partnering with them, we were able to really go big.
0: Great. So the, so getting to your results, the, sh- the short answer right to your question about whether or not diverse genotypes increase productivity is no. Um, But, of course, there's much more to the story, much more interesting stuff to the story than that. Can you tell us about the key findings of your study?
1: Yeah, that's right. No (laughs) was the answer. So. At first, we were surprised. All this effort, we create this large forest ecosystem scale test of diversity-productivity relationships, and then we get a clear answer, but the answer is no. I mean, there's no hint of a pattern. And our more diverse mixtures of genotypes are definitely no different in their productivity from an average of those same genotypes. But with further thought, we kind of realized we should have realized this already. It makes more sense. The concept of species complementarity is angled on the premise that species have different niches with different resource requirements, which can lead to complementarity in their resource use. Um, So what represents the leftover resource for one species might be the optimum resource for another. And in combination, there's more efficient use of resources, leading to a higher overall productivity. Within a species, though, we can have really strong differences in traits. But these differences um, might have more to do with the kind of random roll of the dice of getting genes from a certain set of parents, and they might have less to do with occupying completely different niches with different resource needs. In fact, the niche concept is traditionally assumed individuals within a species are all in the same niche. So when we combine species mixtures, we can expect, uh, you know, the combination of niches can cause complementarity in resource use. When we have genotype mixtures, we can have individual genotypes that differ tremendously in traits, and we saw that in our study, but that's not the same as having traits that are complementary. So for example, leaf timing, when leaves are on the trees. In our study, this differed by more than 100 days between different genotypes. This was important for productivity uh for the trees that held on to their leaves for a long time but for the genotype that loses its leaves early and leaves out late, there, there simply isn't time to be productive, and they're just way less productive regardless of the mixture that they're planted in, and not necessarily complementary uh, with the other uh, trees that they're planted with. So this is really important because we're learning more about how plant genetics matter for communities and ecosystems. And as we do that, we need to do a better job outlining the constraints around genes to ecosystems' effects and modeling them. And uh, and I think that's what this study is really about, kind of defining those constraints. Uh, genetics matter, but we might not be able to scale all the patterns we find at the species level to the interspecific level.
0: Now, that that's really great. That was a great explanation. I appreciate that. So. So you conclude your paper um, by arguing that despite the lack of evidence for genetic diversity increase in productivity, such diversity is still really important in naturally occurring tree species, especially with climate change. Can you elaborate for us a bit?
1: Yeah. So the lack of biodiversity ecosystem effects that we found had nothing to do with having genotypes that just weren't different enough. In fact, one of the main findings from our study was that naturally occurring genotypes were extremely different from one another, so much so that if you take a monoculture of one genotype and you measure its productivity, you would find values, you might find values representing the least productive forest in all of North America. Next door, though, you can go to a monoculture of another genotype that could have productivity values that represent the absolutely most productive forests in North America. So within one species, just by having different genetics, we can go from the least effective carbon uptake forest to the most effective carbon uptake forest, just even within one species. So we think that's really worth pointing out because it helps us understand the importance of plant genetics. It's also likely that we saw these effects because we conducted our experiment in a relatively extreme environment. Summer temperatures regularly approach 50 degrees Celsius here or 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Genotypes were collected from throughout the range of our cottonwood species, Populus fremontii, uh throughout the western US, but they were planted together in this one hot environment. In this sense, uh, our results could be a good warning sign that genetic, uh, for what genetic differences might look like in a warmer world. That's just speculation at this point. But based on our sense of what happened in this, this experiment, we might expect that genetic differences can make a really big impact in a warmer world. We had some genotypes that could survive but with really low uptake, carbon uptake. Uh, others really took off. This has further implications for restoration, where the choice of genotypes used in large-scale restoration projects can have a massive impact on the carbon dioxide uptake of the newly restored ecosystems. So uh, genetics really mattered. They made a big difference, and such such a big difference that uh, the differences in productivity were as large as we see between different forest biomes even.
0: Well, thanks very much, Dylan. It's been great visiting with you. Uh, Congratulations again on the paper, and best of luck to you and your research. Okay, thank you so much, Alan. This is really fun. Bye-bye. Bye.